Hosts Elle and Miriam are two Black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Thanks so much for joining us for another Cleverly Changing podcast. This is episode 84. I am so glad that you're still tuning in and listening. Please remember to share this episode with a friend or someone who you think is interested in learning more about supplementing their child's education or about homeschooling. Today, we have a great conversation for you. But before we get started with that conversation, Here's what we want you to explore. Which continent has the youngest population in the world? Hmm. If you guessed Africa, then you're correct. Africa has a relatively young population. The average age in Africa is about 19 years old. Visit our show notes page to learn more. Also, today's African proverb is, a family tie is like a tree. It can bend, but it cannot break. And that is an African proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Yoruba Land. Duro. Duro. Duro means wait in Yoruba. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elle Cole, and we are excited that you are joining us for a new episode. If you are a parent who is trying to supplement your child's education or you are into homeschooling or unschooling, whichever, you have come to the right place. I have homeschooled my twin daughters for seven years. I like to say that we started from birth, so the journey feels a whole lot longer than seven years, but it is one of those experiences that I've been enjoying. And I have my co-host here who is also a homeschooler. Miriam, can you tell everybody who you are? Hey, y'all, I'm Miriam, and I am the home educator of 
four young people. Well, technically three now since my eldest decided to bail out on me. Oh no, it's okay. Um, we have been homeschooling for um, five years now. And if you are like us and you value the educational abilities of yourself or your children, then please tune in, catch up on some previous episodes, and you can subscribe on your favorite podcast player, and please leave us a review. When you leave us a review, it makes it easier for other like-minded individuals to find us and enjoy our content. Yes. It's going to be a small chat. It's going to be us. (laughs) Just me and Elle today. No guests this episode and this is great gonna show you guys yeah this is great because we're gonna have one of those heart-to-heart conversations like we did in the beginning we've been having these conversations (laughs) since 2019 we've been in it for the long haul so this is great yes we're just going to chat about how this school year has gone it's been very interesting for the both of us. We both experienced some major changes, shifts with the kids. So let's get to it. Yes. Elle, so, what's new for you? <laughs> so we definitely um, did something completely new this year. Um, we started the year off with the thought that we would do a hybrid program. And so we enrolled our girls in a private school that had a hybrid option. And I was like, oh, well, they'll go a couple days and they'll homeschool a couple days. I mean, they'll go a couple days to the regular school and then they'll just do virtual a couple days because when they were completely virtual for several classes last year, that didn't work out for them. And it worked out for one and not so well for the other. So let me be specific about that. And so um, with the concept of doing a hybrid school, we actually decided to put them in the class full time. So they, what we thought would be um, a hybrid situation where they would be learning virtually for, at least a day a week, we that didn't work too great. So we just sent them most days. And so there was a month um, from the end of, from the beginning of December through January, they were, um, they were virtual. But other than that, they were in school full time. So that's what was different for us. Okay, well, that sounds intriguing. Did it work well for both of the girls or did it work better for one than the other? So I I want to be fully transparent and say, yes, it did work well for both. And I'm actually really glad that we did it. Um, I saw a lot of growth in social development and self-confidence and speaking up and just being an adolescent. And I think it was just encouraging to see from 
a parent position to be observant, to give my children that opportunity to self-motivate. And I was able to see all of those things by putting them in school. So did they do well? They did. They ended up, um, one of my daughters, she got straight A's for each um, quarter that she was in school. And the other daughter, she got A's and B's. Um, and this last quarter, she got straight A's. So she was really trying to get straight A's. One time she got all A's and a B plus, And she was like one point ah. away from all A's. So this time it was completely all A's. So she she really tried hard Wonderful. to do that. And she accomplished her goal. So I, I am more than happy with their progress and the way that they finished off the school year. I'm very proud of them because it was completely new. This was their first school experience ever. Yes. Yeah, so let me ask this question. Acquiring minds want to know. Who yes. made this decision? Was it like a real family decision? <laughs> was it that they were asking or was it just a you decision? Like, okay, this is what we're going to do. So it was definitely a group decision. And when I say group, it was everybody willing to try something new. So my my husband was um, working from home, which was a new experience for us that started with 2020 with the pandemic. I know a lot of families can relate because, you know, he no longer went into work. He works from home. And so um, with that, the kids were, they were bored in many ways because my um, work duties from working from home had increased. And so that meant that they had to take on a lot of activities and do their assignments on their own. Whereas in the past, I really facilitated the assignments. And so we had tried to do the virtual classes where you have a teacher that's you know completely remote, but that wasn't so great. And so um, this particular experience, everybody was ready to try something new. They're in middle school. So it was time. So all of us agreed to it. It wasn't just like, woo, let me put these kids in school. It was, it was really a joint decision because um, with the, pan the pandemic was very difficult on our social lives because I enjoyed homeschooling, but I did not like homeschooling from home. Like I was an adventure homeschooler. <laughs> I loved adventure. I loved the field trips. I loved the science classes. I loved going places and making those a part mm. of our homeschool experience. So when that particular avenue of learning was more difficult, I had a hard time staying focused and my girls did as well because you know, that fun, intriguing part was kind of gone. And it was like book work yeah. and um, my kids don't like worksheets. So right. that part was difficult. <laughs> right. right. I mean, I feel like some kids are like, oh, just tell me what I have to do and I'll do it. Some people have that personality, but my kids, they did better in school, I think, because there was also a level of competitiveness that they didn't have in the yeah. past. They weren't really competing against each other in our homeschool, but when you're in a classroom with other kids, there's definitely more 
of a competitive nature to a classroom setting. And I think that was kind of fun for them in many ways. And so um, it definitely motivated them to get their worksheets done because they were they were doing worksheets and doing work. Whereas mm -hmm. when they were with me, they would complain about that type of work, but um, they were able to get it done in school because it had, you know, some competition to it. And I, I think there were many different factors. There are definitely more mature now, but it was a better experience um, with getting their work done. It was a lot of homework. I'm just going to stress that. Like the yeah, amount of homework ask. that kids get is like mind boggling. It's crazy. Yeah. It is. I agree. I agree. It, it, it's like that from the beginning. Oh, mm -hmm. my lands. I don't know whose idea this mess is, but they might need to get taken out back. Because <laughs> it's extra. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so now that they have kind of stretched their wings in a more traditional, modern schooling experience, and you did mention that they're middle school, are we now looking forward to the whole high school experience? Because I know this is a really interesting time in the young people's lives. And, you know, there's a lot of shifting going on. My kids are, they, they say to me all the time, you know, they miss homeschool. So they still say that, but I think they say that because they had more relaxation. Um, so I haven't made the decision what their high school experience is going to be yet. Mm -hmm. When when we get to that point, I think um, I think I'm open. What what I'm interested in is the dual enrollment programs. I know my yes. girls have asked me about that a couple times because um, they want to be able to finish high school and also get a associate degree at the same time mm -hmm. because that just sounds cool and it sounds fun. Um, I mean, so oh, really? I'm thinking more about the functionality of it because, I mean, it really is a cost saver because paying for your education is a bear. So yes. to not have that bear on your back and to start, you know, in, you know, closer to, you know, sea level than have to, you know, climb up, it's, it does make things a lot, a lot more functionally sound. It I, does. I guess I wouldn't really yeah. expect young people to be thinking like that. But They're not thinking about the finances. That's <laughs> yes, us. As the adult, I'm thinking, <laughs> man, whoo! <laughs> get, get as much out of the way as you can while, you know, it's cost effective. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just in thinking about higher education. So my kids, because they've been homeschooled for so long, mm -hmm. I kind of feel like um, socially, they're not really ready for that big experience. So I'm I'm looking at taking it slow and not, oh. not rushing it. 
So that's that's my frame of mind because I mm-hmm. I remember starting college at what were we 17? Yeah. We were 17 yeah. when we started college and I just I think it was such a a mature thing to do and I think I would have valued the experience a little bit different if I had been older. So to me, I'm not trying to rush things. I'm trying to take it slow, but also provide the support that they need. And I know your girl, like we've been talking a lot about me, my girls and our year, and you had a big transition this year too. Can you kind of talk (laughs) about it? So my oldest daughter, had expressed to me that she wanted to go back into the traditional modern school for high school. Um, She's very test averse. She gets very anxious and stressed out about testing. And that often leads to not so great results because she's so stressed about the test that she's unable to focus on the test. So that being said, she asked if maybe she could go into middle school near the end of the year. And I said, okay. So that's what happened. She went back in um, in March, I want to say. And she's finishing out the year there. She's having a blast. She comes in and she's got tales and tales for days and days about who did what and all of this. Um, I do find it very, um, I find it a little disturbing, some of the stuff that she tells me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. These are adults, right? She ain't talking about the children most of the time. (laughs) These are adults. And I'm like, what is going on? And I think that part, you know, it's a bigger transition for me than for her because I guess it's kind of put me back to when I was her age because I've always been that child that drove the adults mad because I would ask questions and I would challenge them and I would attempt to exert my own autonomy regardless of how that made them feel. So I'm listening to her tell me this and I'm thinking to myself you know I'm going back to 10 year old me like and why are adults like this because <laughs> I don't treat my children like that you know where they just, you just want to adult over them to hang my adultness over you like you can never ask me a question or you need to be afraid of me or anything but I mean that's kind of where we are with the educational thing. Um, Can you give us a general example? Can you give us a general example of maybe one thing? Just because I'm I'm trying to go there mentally and I'm like, I'm not bringing up a picture. (laughs) Okay, so like today, she came home talking about her last period teacher had gone on some epic tirade and rant at these children and essentially kind of punished them and didn't provide any instruction, just sit here and be quiet for the last 
20, 30 minutes or however long it was because she was upset about something and she was yelling at the children and she was calling them names. And I mean, it was ridiculous. And I was like, I'm about to sit down and write this serious email. And this child tells me she doesn't want me to do that because she don't want me to ruffle any feathers with this woman and I was like this is the black lady right and then I felt kind of bad about it because I'm not trying to take the black sister's livelihood get her into no friction but at the same time you're not about to sit here and do what you're doing to my baby we have a situation I'm choosing her over you any day of the week (laughs) so it's you know she had said one of the kids had taken a video and had showed it to another adult and I was just like, what is going on here? And I get it. You know, sometimes kids can be really mouthy and whatnot. And that a lot of the children, according to my daughter, do really push her. But in Amira's <laughs> words, she says, she keeps responding to them. So they keep messing with her. And I, was, and I agree, you know, to a degree. You know, I know my mom used to tell me they can't chase you if you don't run. So apparently this teacher is always running and these kids are always chasing her. Mm, so that's that's terrible. I know, right? Absolutely horrible. And I was like, this is insane. This is what I was trying to get away from. The ridiculousness that happens it's it's uh, i don't know but these are the kinds of stories that she's coming home with and it's kind of like oh what did i put her (laughs) in for this is this is the worst and i know for for a lot of parents you know, you kind of have to walk this fine line because I totally understand what she's saying where, you know, she doesn't want me making things more difficult for her with this particular teacher. Um, but at the same time, this teacher needs to be gathered because this is not the way to handle situations. Perhaps you need to institute two minutes of mindfulness or meditation in the beginning of your class or something to help you together yourself and help them together themselves. I don't know who's controlling the classroom, but it doesn't seem to me like it's her. Um, And I don't say control in the sense that, you know, adults need to be in control kind of thing, but um, she's not able to take the lead and she's not able to um, garner the respect of the kids. I don't think that they respect her at all. And it could be because she doesn't show any respect to them and that she's one of those adults that's like, because I'm an adult, that's right. Well, that doesn't go over well with children. And certainly not at, you know, between the ages of 12 and 14. Right, right. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. But other than that, she's doing well. She's like, my grades, I, I got to, what did she tell me the other day? 
my my B in Spanish went to a C. I, I don't know what happened. I got to go figure it out. Oh, it turns out I had two papers that I didn't turn in. I thought I did. Okay, he took them. Great. So now I'm at a B again. I'm like, okay, excellent. So she's really on top of her classes, and she wants to maintain good marks, and she's doing her best to do it. And I'm happy that, you know, she's feeling fulfilled in that sense. She's my little social butterfly. She likes to be with people. She wants yes. to do something every day. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. We can't go do something every day. But <laughs> she wants to be on the move, on the go, doing something every day. And so this has kind of fulfilled that space for her. We entered the um, lottery so that she might be able to get into the school of her choice. I'm not going to lie. I'm <sighs> heavy sigh about <laughs> the high school prospects. Our boundary school. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was I'm very descriptive. <laughs> I am not enthused. I'm not. <sighs> yeah. So with that in mind, I really do have fingers crossed that we, you know, instead of inching up this list, that we take some giant leaps and she's able to get into one of her two options. I hope she does get into um, an option that she she likes because I think to yeah. me high school is is huge, you know. <laughs> when I think of like our academic careers, high school is when everything starts to count. Mm, exactly. And so exactly I think it. having a place where you feel completely comfortable, where you have people yeah. that respect you and you respect them, to me, mm -hmm. having that great foundation in a high school setting will set you up to thrive in life. <laughs> so I think Yeah, really I agree. You need, absolutely need that support system there and not just at home when you're in a, you know, traditional modern academic space. You really do need the appropriate supporting cast to make things go, you know, as best as they can. And, and and it doesn't, you know, it shouldn't be just this one teacher, right? It should be all of them. And I know that's difficult to say. And I know it's, you know, difficult to do for a lot of educators because it's hard. It's hard. Yes. The way these children... <laughs> The way they come across nowadays is, yeah, it's it's not always so great. And then you have parents that are not willing to, I don't want to say take responsibility for their child's behavior, but they're not willing to uh, curb some of the behaviors that occur. Or maybe I shouldn't say willing, maybe they're unable to. I don't know what the situation is. But I've I have a friend who's a high school teacher and <laughs> that is a major complaint. These parents are looking at the teacher like, So, this your job. 
she was like, no, it's not my job to raise your kids. It's my job to make sure that they know how to write a sentence, that they know how to read a sentence, that, that they can put numbers together and take them apart. That's my job. My job is not to teach your kids right from wrong, let them know what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. This is not in my scope. However, it has become part of my scope because all you parents think you're supposed to do is pay the rent and pay the bills and give them clothes and food. Yeah, I don't want to interact with these children. <laughs> no, it's and it shows. It shows in a lot of our children's behaviors. So I think that the whole high school space is really a pivotal moment in most folks' lives, and it can, you know, really set the tone for your adult life. It, it yes. does. Mm-hmm. Just so hearing, that's what's new over here. <laughs> just hearing you talk about high school and talk about, um, you know, doing a lottery, trying to kind of set up that foundation. A lot has been going on in the news. And I want to kind of touch on that because I think going from homeschool and then putting your kid in school it can be kind of heavy on the heart when you hear about the things in the news. So yeah. I, wanna, I want us to talk about that. So here's the thing, people. We are, we are recording this podcast in June of 2022. And this is right after another mass shooting. Actually, over the weekend- At school. Yes. Over the weekend, there were 10 mass shootings. In the past month, there were lots of them. I don't even know the number because we don't, we only hear about the really large ones that are the major ones. Yeah. So it was more I mean, than 100 mass shootings. My daughter just came I mean, and look, told me. I don't me. even keep count. Oh, really? Oh, my yeah. Why do the babies know this? <sighs> yeah, I mean, the whole idea of sending your children to school in general should be a safe a virtually you know pretty safe choice and I think it's very sad and disgusting that it's not a safe choice that there's people out here that have very little regard for the sanctity of someone else's life. And for folks who be so willing to cut down such tiny little fruits, it just, it's it's scary. So I've thought about that, you know, I've thought about that. But I also know that there are many um schools around here where they that you can't you can't just walk into the school especially with um COVID and everything they don't allow people in the school you gotta ring the buzzer and talk to somebody via intercom and somebody comes to the door you know so it's 
it's not so easy to make your way in. But I mean, if you're armed to the teeth, I can't imagine that it's that difficult either. You just touched on something that, you know, when you talk about the schools being locked and that's that's what we know as adults. But when we were children, schools weren't locked like that. It was a much more open experience. And when I think about um, Rob Elementary, that is the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, that just experienced the atrocities of having 19 young people that were shot and two teachers were also killed. And that really just, it hurt my heart because if you listen to the news reports, these babies were calling the police asking for help and nobody came to their aid for over an hour. And to me, that is mind boggling that we year after year can hear about these school shootings and then there, you know, we hear about the active shooter drills. We hear about schools having these drills and we're like, oh, you know, we never want it to happen to our child and our school. But we also think, hey, there are things being put in place to protect my child. But then when you're listening to the news and you're like, the police were outside the school while this was taking place, they didn't go in. I don't know. I, I, let me tell you what Michelle said to me. Mommy, that was me telling you, I'm jumping out the window. I'm going, she, she's got all these scenarios, you know, in her head. And I'm, like, hey. and I'm thinking to myself, oh, please let your plan work. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you can never really plan for something like that. I mean, you can have, you know, your thoughts about what you might do in various situations, but the fact remains that there's a lot of variables that go into these situations. And, you know, reading about the one child who said she smeared blood on herself from one of her classmates, you know, why does she have to do that? Because people are just mindless and out of their mind. I mean, it's, it's not something that you want any child, yours or someone else's, to have to endure. It's not. And so when I hear her saying things like that, it really does break my heart in half. Like, why is this, why does this need to be a concern? Does it make you- it is a great concern. Does it make you more hesitant to put your child in school? I mean, hesitant, yes, but am I going to tell her no when she's making a request and, and you know, and she's advocating for herself and and her needs? I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I wanted to, really bad. I wanted to say nope, 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 negative, not happening, not today, not tomorrow, nope, nope. <laughs> but that's not the kind of person I am that would just because it makes me uncomfortable you can't right and we'd have to come up with a plan for me I'm thinking with the way these things are going (laughs) anywhere you are even if you're in your house 
Anything can yeah. happen. We just, this is the world oh, that we live in now. This is our new reality. And I think that there are many protections that we need in our country. But one thing that I think really troubles me about what has been taking place is the lack of attention being placed on mental health resources. So what we've known about mm. some of these recent cases is that the people who have been doing the shootings have been young. We're talking 18 year olds and you know, these early adults, these young, young adults. And so what, what I recognize is the mental health in our country is not being well-funded. The mental health resources and the um, services that are needed, there is like a backlog of um, services. So mm -hmm. they don't have enough professionals in the areas of mental health. And those that are in those positions are sometimes overworked, especially those that take insurance. And then for those that don't, you know, can the, the youth, can their parents pay? So I think there mm. needs to be some real comprehensive programs that focus on mental health and, and, and people. You know, it's not just the young people, it's all different age groups, but what we have is a breakdown of sanity that's going on and I think some people are really having a hard time with coping and I think this is something that we can actually get ahead of I don't think this has to be our future or our reality but I think when we continually drop the ball when it comes to health here in America I think um, we will continue to see these incidents but I think um, mental health resources, mental health professionals, and um, just taking mental health seriously, I think that's where the turnaround will start. I'm gonna agree with you there, but I'm gonna throw in a couple of extra layers to this situation. I think that this is the case. I think this is gonna be our new reality because the culture that is American culture does not, it does not affirm people. It, it gives you these ideals, but it doesn't affirm people as an individual unit. And it certainly doesn't affirm people as a group. So, and I'm not saying that <clears throat> other cultures don't experience mental health issues, but they experience a different way of treating them. In America, we have a bad habit of othering folks. So, oh, don't mess with that one. They got this. They're that. They panhandle. You know, all this stuff, right? We mm -hmm. other them and we push them to the outskirts instead of caring and kind of bringing them in and making them feel supported. We don't affirm people in that way here. And I think that as long as we continue, <clears throat> continue to 
push people who are different to the edge, we're going to have a problem. I also think that the, and again, back to culture, like the stuff we eat, all of these things are, I mean, there's, so I'm, I'm a healthy nerd, science nerd, and I get into all this stuff. And I know that a lot of our brain is in our digestive system. Right. And when we are constantly bombarding our digestive system with things that are breaking down our cellular structures, we end up with more and more problems. Everybody wants some pharmaceutical tool to make something just go away. And that's not how life works. <laughs> that's not how science works. I mean, that's not even how the dirt works. You can't just throw fertilizer in the earth and make the soil healthy. That's not what, you know, kind of reverse the dust bowl. <laughs> you had organic matter, planting certain types of plants that will help to pull the moisture up and, you know, create healthy living microbial soil again and not just dead, dry, ashen dust. So I think we're doing that to our bodies with a lot of the methodologies that we try to take. And this is not to say that there's no place for allopathic and modern medicine. No, I think that it needs to be, it needs to bring the humanity back into it. That I think there is a large gap there. I don't think that many physicians are, you know, really trying to treat people, you know, the whole person. Right. Right. I think what you're what you're talking about, I think, is spot on. There there are numerous reasons why we're in this position. And I think diet is yeah. very important. Just like when we were children, there was the saying garbage in, garbage out. That remains yeah, true. I remember that. <laughs> that remains true today. So we have to be careful what we're feeding our mind, what we're feeding our bodies because the output will be negative. And, you know, it it's not just um, diet alone, it's also visual. Oh yeah, there's, what are yeah, we there's a lot of taking in here, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's multifold. And I think mm-hmm. um, it's not gonna be a one fix. It's gonna be, oh, we're yeah, gonna have to, <laughs> to do multiple things to make life better mm-hmm. for the next generation. But I do think that our parents' generation and our generation, if we don't take action now, we have a real huge problem on our hands because oh, for sure. it's, you know, just if, you know, me saying that it's been over a hundred this past month, that is crazy. That is much more, you know, they started happening when you and I were in high school and they've yeah, gotten much worse. Ridiculous. And it, it was is. so, it was so unique, so rare. I know. Like, I like, a one, like, what is this? Right. 
it was it was very shocking very disturbing but it was also isolated now we're living in a time where it's not that isolated and so we have to be very careful about what is happening and so um i don't want to belabor this point because it is definitely morbid but i want to say that I think it's going to take all of us to see what we can do in our community. It's it's a call for us to be community leaders. And um you know, there we believe in that saying that African proverb that says it takes a village. Um you know, I like to believe that this podcast is a part of our village, but we have to do more. And so for me, that is what comes across my mind. What am I doing to nurture my community? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in a larger on a larger scale, but it does cause me to think, what can I do to make my community better? And I think, no, we can't do everything across the US as a whole, but we can do things in our neighborhood, in our communities, in our state. And so if you are listening to this, think of what you can do to make your community a safer place, a better place, and a place that does focus on mental health, focuses on nutrition, focuses on yeah. what you can control. Because there are things that we can control, but the things that we talked about today are things that are within our grasp. Yeah, I agree. It starts at home. Everything starts at home. Yes, so this this conversation has been incredible. I think, you know, when you and I talk, we're always talking like old friends because we are literally old friends. But I think, you know, when we're thinking about our kids and our future, it's just so much that goes into parenting. And, you know, we're yeah. at that place now where our kids are older. They're no more our little chunky cheek babies they are teenagers and so we really have to make some wise decisions and um what i want to do if you are listening right now we're going to put some mental health resources in the show notes i'm going to add a few um that will just get us talking and going and um just researching because sometimes our kids need different resources and need a therapist and we need to know where we can get those resources, even if we can't pay for them. So there are places like NAMI, that's N-A-M-I, that has resources for um, for youth. And even if they, they have it for adults as well, and even if they don't have anything for youth, they can tell you about it because um, NAMI is an organization that is um, geared towards mental health. And so we will add that to our show show notes as well. There are companies like BetterHelp. If you do have funds that you can pay, BetterHelp is an online platform with um, certified therapists, therapists who have credentials who are able to provide support. And so um, investing in yourself will make a difference. And so we will add a link to BetterHelp as well. So visit our show notes page. Definitely uh, leave us a voicemail and let us know if these are conversations that you're enjoying that you wanna be a part of. We are looking for new guests. So definitely join the conversation and connect with us. That's right, we've got the voicemail still. Leave me a message, y'all. 
we're going to holla back. <laughs> yes, yes. And I want, we haven't shouted out our um, social media platforms in a long time. So let's do that. You can follow the Cleverly Changing Podcast. We actually have a new Instagram account. It is Cleverly Changing Podcast that is dedicated to our podcast. Definitely follow the page. Follow the page and engage with us. Miriam has a page. Miriam, what's your Instagram page? Oh, Instagram page is um, AA Miriam. So follow AA Miriam. Yes, yes. <laughs> and there's always the Cleverly Changing page. Follow the Cleverly Changing page as well, but connect with us. We are here for you to be a resource, to be support. So connect with us, y'all. And um, we hope that you will share this podcast, whatever you're doing with your kids this summer. Our previous episode is a great resource if you're looking for, um, actually, it was two, <laughs> two um, episodes it, 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 ago. One or two. It was two episodes for ago. Summer so activities. Yes. It is um, episode 81. No, episode 82. I'm sorry. Episode 82 is about summer activities. So if you are listening, definitely check out that episode about summer activities so that you can get started planning or um, supplement what you've already planned for the summer. Any final words, Miriam? Catch y'all on the flip side. <laughs> All I'm right. I'm a little silly right now. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been been a pleasure. Yes, yes. So I will talk to you later. All right. Bye, everybody. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mug, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.